The following podcast is a recreation of recordings from Universe 619. All words, titles, and information are authentic and unedited. As this universe has no bearing on yours, you are welcome to enjoy this as a work of fiction. For any questions relating to the multiverse, your place in it, or the crushing depression of knowing there are other versions of you in other universes currently living a better and more fulfilling life than you, contact multiversal consultant, archivist, and author Lancelot Castle. You can find him and more information at thenashamaseries.tumblr.com. Hi, my name is Ari Kravitz. Welcome back to Afterlife. So, a lot has happened since last recording. Well, I say a lot. Really two things. But one is sort of... Continuous? Okay, I'm just going to stop trying to explain and tell you all exactly what happened. So, I think we'll start with the bad thing first, and then end on a high note. The walkers have been sending me letters. Like, full-on threatening letters full of all sorts of creepy, awful stuff. It's great. I'm, I'm having a great time. Life is wonderful. I'm dead inside, and, uh, outside too, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, the first letter arrived a couple weeks ago? I... I have it here somewhere. But, um, basically what happened was Amrita came inside with the mail and handed me this letter. It was in a really beautiful envelope, and it just had my name on it. My full name. Ari Ramon Kravitz. I don't really tell people my middle name. Not for any particular reason, it just doesn't ever come up. So I was pretty confused when I got the letter and it had my middle name on it. Not only that, but not many people know that I'm living with Amrita. Obviously there's Amrita, Mem, Julia, Daoud, and Mitchell. And Adam, though I'm not sure it knows how to write. Or can easily hold a pen. The only other people who know are the walkers, so I realized pretty quickly that it had to be from them. I left it by my bed for a couple of days unopened. I didn't really want to see whatever they had to say to me, but then Amrita asked me about what was in the letter over dinner, and everyone asked me about the letter, and I said I hadn't opened it, and, well, they all explained to me rather emphatically why I need to open the letter. The long and short of it is that they could be giving away their plans and I needed to know if they were. So we opened the letter together. I didn't really want to do it alone. I felt like with all my friends around me, I'd be okay, no matter what the walkers said. So I opened it. It was either printed in a very fancy font or one of them has disconcertingly uniform handwriting. Neither would shock me, if I'm being honest. And they said... Well, I am... I'll just... read it to you all. And, uh... try to keep my own commentary until the end. <clears throat> Miss Kravitz. We fear we may have gotten off on the wrong foot. We were, perhaps, too forceful with you so soon after your turning. 
because we have not experienced being turned ourselves, we were not as sensitive as we should have been to the sudden changes you are experiencing. As such, we will give you a few more days to process everything without our interference before we expect you to be reasonable and discuss everything with us. It is highly irregular for a turned vampire to not spend their initial time in this world with those who turned them, or at the very least, any vampires. And we fear your development as a newly turned vampire may be hampered by the so-called friends you find yourself among. It won't surprise you to hear that we care deeply about your successful development as a vampire. We have high hopes for your future with us, and we are excited to share our vision with you. We fear, however, that those who wish to ruin vampires have poisoned your mind with vile rumours about our cause. We wish for nothing more than the continued success of vampires in the face of those who seek to infiltrate and destroy our kind. And to do that, we need your help. As our wife, you would be directly helping vampires everywhere by keeping our numbers strong and untainted. You, of course, are not a true vampire, as you were once a human. However, that does not mean you cannot help us create a more, more true vampires. We expect you to have gotten over this temporary confusion within the next three days, and after that, we expect you to turn yourself in at the university. Should you continue down this frivolous path of rebellion, we will have no choice but to take drastic measures. We trust you will do the sensible thing and turn yourself over to us as soon as possible. Should you do so within the specified time limit, we will be lenient with you for all the trouble you have caused us. We are not pleasant enemies to have, Miss Kravitz. Do the right thing. In sincerity, E&D &E Walker. As you can imagine, none of us were thrilled by this. I think more than anything, their tone is what's so frustrating. Acting like I'm some sort of spoiled child throwing a tantrum. But that's just what they do, isn't it? Act all calm and rational, as though that somehow makes them any more right, or any less evil. Obviously, we all agreed they could go fuck themselves. I mean, who do they think they are, telling me my friends are lying? I mean, I know I doubted them a bit in the beginning, but they've shown me quite definitive proof that they're right. And quite frankly, the walkers have done nothing but prove them right as well. Anyway, we all prepared for the walkers to show up the next day since that would be four days after the original letter. We figured drastic measures meant some sort of attack or kidnapping attempt. I wasn't left alone all day. They made sure at least one person was with me at all times. We were tense the whole day. All of us were on high alert for whatever might be happening. Honestly, I think that's the worst thing the walkers have done to me so far. Other than turning me. Making me wait in suspense like that all day. And for what? For another fucking letter. They sent me another fucking letter. This time it was waiting on my pillow when I went up for bed. Amrita was escorting me. We were going to share the bed since she's a light sleeper and didn't already have someone to share with. But then we saw the letter. Honestly, we were both pretty relieved by it. Another letter meant nothing worse would happen that night, so we gathered everyone and read it. Miss Kravitz, I don't think you quite understood our last letter. We have tried to be patient with you, but our patience is wearing thin. You are young, 
and inexperienced. This is all very new to you, and you clearly do not understand how things work around here. We shall put it simply for you. You are our property. We turned you with the express purpose of marrying you, and therefore you are ours. We understand how that might be a bit confusing, however it is something you must come to terms with very quickly. We are kind and benevolent people, but even our kindness has its limits. Here's how everything works. We turned you, therefore you owe your life to us. Without us, you would be dead and in the soul world. We gave you another chance at life, and not only life, but immortality. That is not something to turn your nose up at. We understand that you might have some reservations marrying two people, given what we know of your human culture. As such, we will allow you to choose which one of us you will marry. You will, of course, be breeding vampires for any number of us, but you will be in the primary care of whoever you choose to be the wife of. While we both find you very attractive and desire to wed you, we have no desire to share you. That arrangement was only agreed upon because we believed it would be acceptable to you. As it appears not to be, we will do you another favour in letting you choose one of us to marry. The other of us will find a wife of their own in some other turned vampire. Once again, we require a speedy decision from you. While it is true that we are immortal, with every passing day, the other creatures get close to wiping out true vampires. This is a war, and we need your help to win it. We sincerely hope you will choose to join us so we do not have to take further steps to ensure your obedience. You have three more days to turn yourself over to us or our hand will be forced. In sincerity, Yandy Walker. You know, I still don't know their names. We know their first initials now, but none of us are entirely sure about their actual names. Amrita even asked around, but it seems to be a mystery. If they'd left a return address, I'd send them a letter asking. I have to say, though, this letter was actually a bit of a relief. Both because it shows they won't actually do anything, and because it means they're not in some sort of creepy relationship. They just thought that's how humans worked. I think they read too many creepy fanfics. I mean, I'm not going to marry either of them, but it's nice to know that it wouldn't be some disgusting menage twins. I... I can't take credit for that joke, that was all Mitchell. But we were all pretty happy when we read the letter. It made it clear to us that the walkers aren't willing to put their money where their mouths are. I guess I just feel a little safer now. After that, I wasn't on full watch anymore. They made sure I was never alone in the house, but I could go between the rooms without needing an escort. Over the next three days, things went back to normal. Mem was back to tending the garden between Mem's cottage and Amrita's place. Mitchell went back to work. Daoud was off doing his death omen thing. And the green eyes were still following me around. At this point, I'm not even worried about them in the slightest. If they wanted to hurt me, they would have done already. Not to mention they're hiding, so they're probably harmless. And anything that scares off the walkers goes down as something good in my book. So anyway, on the third day, I got another letter. Well... This one was less a letter and more a torn scrap of the same fancy paper they'd written everything else on. It looked almost artistically done, like they'd intentionally ripped it up in a way that they thought would seem scary and intimidating. The whole thing was so perfectly curated to scare me that I couldn't find it anything but funny. 
it was too perfect. Well, I found it funny until I read the actual contents of the note. I'm uh, not going to read it to you all. It contains personal information. Not uh, about me, but about people I care for. It was just information about my family and some of my friends. Mostly my family, though. Where they live, where they work, who they spend time with. They'd clearly done their research. There was no verbalized threat attached, but it was pretty obvious what it all meant. I brought it to the others. Dode offered to go do some protection magic stuff on them all, keep an eye on them and everything. So he went out and did that while we talked over the possibility of the walkers actually doing something to them. They haven't yet, and we feel fairly confident that they won't for a while at least. But that freaked me out a bit. I had a bit of a mini breakdown about whether I'd done the wrong thing by not giving myself up to them. Julia was there for it, which is a little embarrassing. But she was so sweet, and she comforted me, and told me I'd done the best I could, and reminded me that I wouldn't fare any better with the walkers, and that there was no proof they'd follow through on any of their threats. I definitely felt better after that. Julia's very level-headed. She's good at talking sense into people. So we had another few days of nervous tension, this time without Dode. But nothing happened to my family, as I said. Once again, it seems like the walkers don't really follow through on their threats. Not that I want them to. I prefer them as the spineless fools they are. But they left us all on edge until five days later, which was a couple of days ago. And then there was one final note. I mean, we're assuming it's their final note because it can't get much shorter or more threatening than this. <clears throat> May 9th. That's it. That's the whole note. It just says May 9th. I'm not sure if they're just showing off more knowledge about me or if they plan to harm my family on my birthday, but I guess we've got a while to figure it out. But they haven't left any more notes so far and we don't anticipate more. All of the notes were left on the same beautiful paper. The first two were in envelopes marked with my name, and the other two were just scraps of paper. They all had that same neat, uniform script, and I'm still not sure if it's typed or handwritten. It really wouldn't shock me if they both had scarily neat handwriting. We don't even know which one of them wrote it, or if they came up with it all together. I mean, they're signed from both of them, but who's the brains behind the operation? Though I suppose that's making the massive assumption that there are brains there at all, and that they've fully thought this all through. I mean, they're quite clearly pretty disorganized. They assumed their threats would work, so they didn't bother to come up with a plan for if they didn't. Unless that's what they want me to think, and they're actually more dangerous than they seem. 
but I don't think there's much use in me thinking too hard about it and psyching myself out. All that matters is how I react to what they do. I really don't need to try to get into the minds of bigots to understand their point of view or whatever. I don't owe them anything, not my time, not my energy, and certainly not my understanding. Anyway, Daoud seemed fairly confident my family would be okay, so he's not watching them anymore. He said he'd keep an eye on them every few days just to make sure they're okay, but none of us are too concerned. And he put some protective spells around the houses. Really, it's just a matter of sitting, waiting, and seeing if the walkers do anything else. The flyers are still up, but we haven't seen any new ones, just the old ones that haven't been taken down recently. And they seem to still be holding their rallies at the university. I think they'll either make one last go at me or give up and try to sweep the whole incident under the rug. I highly doubt they're interested in publicizing their failure. Anyway, I promised I'd tell you all the good news once we got through the bad stuff. So, back when I was on lockdown and had to be watched all the time, I ended up at one point hanging out with Amrita and I'm in the garden. We were just kind of chatting. Well, more like gossiping. You know how it is. Anyway, we heard this sort of weird sound coming from the bushes. It was this sort of horse squeaking sound. Not, not like the animal horse. Not a horse making a squeaking sound. That would be horrific. But a kind of quiet, voiceless squeak. Amrita and Mem heard it too, and we all kind of looked at each other to see if anyone knew what was happening. I was going to ignore it and just let whatever was in the bushes do its own thing, but Amrita and Mem decided to go check it out, so I figured I'd go with them. I don't really know what I was expecting when Mem pulled back the branches, but it was, certainly wasn't a few months old kitten, which is what was there in case that wasn't clear. I was pretty surprised. I mean, I mentioned wanting a cat and then suddenly there was one. But I won't look a gift cat in the mouth. It was a sweet little thing anyway. Its paws and ears were too big for the rest of it. But it seemed like it would grow into them one day. It looked like an oriental short hair and it was curled up in the bushes squeaking its little baby head off. I'm absolutely weak for cats, so I didn't even think twice before picking it up and cuddling it. It calmed down immediately and snuggled up against me. Mem immediately took to it. Mem gave it a quick check over to make sure it was healthy and then told me she was a girl. Not that it matters much because she's a cat, but we're probably going to have to get her spayed. Anyway, Amrita seemed to be the only one who was at all suspicious about the cat. She thought it was some sort of ploy by the walkers, perhaps to get me to love the cat and then have it run away so I'd chase it right into their arms or something to that effect. But we let her take a look at it and Mem checked it for spells and finally we convinced Amrita that she was just an ordinary cat. After that it didn't take much convincing at all for Amrita to let me keep her. I've named her Glida. Once we got her all cleaned up and fed, she got very attached to me. She's a very friendly cat, always running headfirst into people's legs and jumping on their laps. She's rather clumsy and she keeps knocking things over by accident, but no one could be mad at her because she's so sweet. 
Everyone in the house dotes on her, and she's definitely getting more treats than she should. But she's an absolute sweetheart. I even saw her cuddled up to Daoud one time while he was reading in the library. He always says to keep her away from him because he's allergic to cats, but whenever he thinks we're not around, he lets her climb all over him. He's definitely been sneezing a lot more, so I don't doubt he's allergic. I just think he doesn't mind. So there's the good news. We've got a lovely new kitten. Even over the past week or so that we've had her, she's gotten quite a bit bigger. And her ears are still comically large. Mitchell picked up some food and litter for her, but I want to get her some more stuff. Mum said Mum would take me out shopping for cat stuff at some point later in the week, so I've got that to look forward to. I definitely want to spoil little Glida. Anyway, I think it's just about time for today's advice, so here it is. If you're going to send a creepy note, make it look authentic. Cut some letters out of different magazines and glue it to some paper. Shred the letter and leave bits of it lying around their house. Write it in the fog on their mirror while they're showering. Don't just rip the edges off some paper so it looks deliberately torn and then print out your letter. Or write it weirdly neat, whichever. Just put some thought into it. Make an effort. If you're going to scare someone, then at least have the decency to put some work into it. Be thoughtful. And while we're at it, if you're going to threaten someone, at least follow through. I mean, not me. Just don't threaten me at all. But if you're threatening someone else, then at least have the spine to do whatever you've threatened to do. Otherwise, it makes you look like a fool. What is it with evil people not putting in the time? If you want anyone to take you seriously as a villain, then at least show them you're worth fearing. Honestly. Villains these days trying to take the easy way out with their meticulous threatening letters and inability to actually do the evil things they threaten to do. It's laziness, pure and simple, and I won't stand for it. Being a villain means something, so go all in or don't do it at all. Thank you.